After Oregon football's big national signing day, the recruits are in from nine different states. The importance of that geographical diversity as it pertains to this staff's recruiting potential going forward. Plus, Dana Altman does something he has never done as the coach of the Ducks. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. If you ever want a question answered right here on the show, tweet with the hashtag AskLODpod or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55, DMs wide open. Or you can DM the Locked on Ducks Twitter account at Locked on Ducks. Make sure you are following along. To keep up with every episode of the show, which you can do by liking, subscribing if you have not already, five-star review, nice comment, all that good jazz. Let's get into the meat of the show today. So after Oregon was able to salvage this 2022 recruiting class into a top 25 class, which is just a remarkable feat in and of itself, right? I mean, that's the sort of language we're using about our football program. They salvaged it into a top 25 class. I guarantee you down in Tucson, where they cracked the top 25 somehow, they are rejoicing. And there is a buzz and energy that they haven't felt in a couple years because they got into the top 25. Those are the sorts of standards you have to have as a program if you're going to compete at a high level. And that's why Oregon football, over the last 15 years or so, has consistently won at a high level, save for the uh, the 2016 season. So, the, the importance of having a geographical reach that goes across the country is crucial to being able to recruit, especially when you're in a state like Oregon that sent out a lot of good recruits this year, and Oregon got three of the top four coming out of the state, Amarian Winston, Justice Lowe, and Trajan Williams as well. That's really important, but in a state like Oregon, the number of recruits that are you know four or even five-star guys they're just not that numerous, right? Any of you who have grown up in the state of Oregon or around the state of Oregon, been around Oregon high school football as I was when I grew up there in Lake Oswego, it, there just aren't that many kids, and so there just aren't as many elite college football prospects as a result. doesn't mean there haven't been good players that come out of the state. There certainly have been, but they're not as numerous. So when you're looking at a staff that's going to recruit at a high level, and the previous one had this as well, you have to be able to go to other states. You have to be able to go cross-country, bring the Oregon brand with you, and be able to sell it to recruits on, on the trail. And first things first, this class of 2022 is not technically over. There are still other guys who can sign, right? National signing day is when most people sign, but you're still allowed to commit to a school, sign your letter of intent. You know, I think through... I want to say March or so, and then you can be an early enrollee or uh, something like that. I don't know the exact date, but anyway, right now this the class is number 25. It could go higher. could also go a little lower technically, but the, the recruit that is still out there that has got a lot of Oregon fans' attention, and it should, is five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly Jr. He's coming out of Rainier Beach High School in Seattle. And he's got a 99.18 overall composite rating 
on 24-7 sports, which is insanely high. I mean, that's sort of recruit that if you get, he, he's very, there's a very low probability that he would miss. And he's got a, a warm interest from Miami, Michigan, Oklahoma, USC, Washington, and Oregon, of course. And then there are a bunch of schools like Alabama and others that are uh, listed as sort of cool on him at this point in time. So it's very possible that Oregon could get another big-time offensive lineman over Miami and USC, which would be big, but there's a lot of legit schools in the mix, and Michigan just had their coach come back, Jim Harbaugh, so that's certainly going to help with this particular guy, but that's a name to follow. He's expected to commit sometime in March. Um, Looking at the guys who have committed and will be coming to Oregon, though, I talked about them before National Signing Day and after because they're important for the class, and there are a lot of guys in this class total, I think 15 or so, seven four-stars and eight three-stars last time I had checked. But, you know, the Jalil Florences, Davey Uli's, uh, Jordan James, and Trejan Williams of the world, those are guys who I gave specific segments to on this show. There's a reason. Of the six highest-rated recruits in this class of 2022, those guys make up four of them. So, I talked about them a lot for a reason. They bolstered the overall rating of this class a lot. And it's not just about the class rating. If you have a higher class rating, means you're bringing in better players. So having those guys, I think, is really, really important, not just for the momentum of the program, but for you know actually having talented bodies and players on the roster, which is really, really a good thing to see. The top two recruits in the class, by the way, for all the talk that I've given to Jaleel Florence, I think correctly because he he projects as a really really capable cornerback for the Ducks. Devin Jackson is number 1 who apparently is faster than both Jill Tucker and Jalil Florence. Devin Jackson is a linebacker. He's the highest rated recruit in Oregon's class this year and Jalil Tucker is is right behind him at number 2 and he has crossed that uh, that 94 composite rating threshold on 24/7 and Jalil Florence was just under 94. So both are capable coming from Lincoln High School in uh, in Southern California, they could be a really talented couple of guys who have got the physical tools and they are now coming to play for who I think is an elite defensive head coach. But if you look at this class as a whole, you've got three states, or excuse me, nine states total, three from California, three from Oregon. That's an anomaly having three coming right out of your home state. But as I've said, you want to be able to get those sorts of guys. If they're in their, your backyard, you want to have the, the brand power and the success where they you know want to come just down the road to go to college. Two from Nevada, two from Utah, and then one each from the states of Hawaii, Nebraska, Tennessee, that's Jordan James, Texas, and Washington. Washington being Dave Ely, of course. Nine different states in this recruiting cycle. I think once this class is able to go through a full recruiting cycle process, they will be able to reach double digits. And I think that that is a really good thing because, as I said earlier, when you're in a state like Oregon, you have to be able to go to different states to get high-caliber guys. In the class of 2022, here are the four- and five-star prospects by state. You have 59 from the state of Texas, 49 from Florida, 32 from Georgia, only 29 from California. I am shocked, absolutely shocked that California is below Georgia on that list. 16 from Alabama, 16 from Louisiana, and then no other state produced 15 or more. That's total four and five-star recruits coming out 
of each of those states respectively. So that's why this is so important. And by the way, remember, our uh, uh, chief of staff is now Marshall Malkow, and he comes from Texas A&M, who signed the highest-rated recruiting class in 24-7 sports history, which is pretty nuts when you think about it, and Matt Pavlich coming from Baylor as well. Those guys have got a Texas footprint, and it's important because, remember, 59, 59 four- and five-star prospects out of the state of Texas in the class of 2022. That's a lot. Those are the sorts of sorts of players that Oregon has to be able to contend for and get if they're going to to do what we want them to do, and that's win a national championship. Get to a little bit more on this in just a second after I tell you Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. And, 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 if you are someone who buys gasoline, which I'm sure is a lot of you, you have to know about Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the free app. Use promo code SCORE, 25 cents per gallon or more back on your first tank. And there's no catch. The cash the cashback gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card, Amazon, other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more cashback on your first tank. That's code SCORE. All right, so the, the geographical reach, as I said, is really important because these are where the other big-time schools are going to be fishing from, right? They're going to be looking at, at the exact same pond of players and trying to get these sorts of guys in Oregon. If you want to, you, you want to go after the Jaleel Florences of the world, or as I mentioned on yesterday's show, the Elijah Rushings of the world, the highest rated edge rusher in the class of 2024. And, you know, something that I saw the other day is that the, the plan is to have a bunch of 2023 recruits come to the spring game on April 23rd. So if you're listening to this and thinking about going, go. April 23rd, Autzen Stadium, pack the house. We want those recruits to have a really fun time and just keep the good times rolling for what is going to be the most, I think the most anticipated spring game since Mariota was playing when we were all kind of wondering, like, why would Darren Thomas leave when he was the starter on a Rose Bowl champion and two-time Pac-10 uh, <laughs> championship team? And it was because they had that guy, and we wanted to see what we had. Turns out he uh, he had a pretty good career at Oregon. You know, I mean, if you're into Heisman trophies and that sort of thing, then I, I guess it worked out. But the, the quarterback controversy with Bo Nix and Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield and all these recruits who are coming in, there's just going to be so many things to look for in that in that spring game. I, I absolutely cannot wait. But summarize this uh, this first portion of the show, you got to have a geographical reach. And I think this staff showed that they're able to do that. And I think the fact that they come from different places, you know, Palich and Malcow with the, the background in Texas, I think certainly helps a lot because you have to be able to make connections and build relationships to get guys to come west 
and come to Eugene. Speaking of Eugene, Dana Altman and company did something that they have never done before under his tutelage as head coach, which is an amazing thing when you think about it, because it's not like Colorado has been an elite college basketball program. Now, they've been in the tournament a couple times. They're respectable. They're never awful, usually, but they're never great, and Oregon has had some great teams over the years. And if it didn't appear obvious on the surface when you watch this game at Colorado, this was a huge game for a number of reasons. Not just because Dana Altman had never won. He was 0-10. 0-10 at Boulder. I Some places, it's like Boise State with Oregon football. For whatever reason, we just can't beat Boise State. It's just, I, I don't know what it is. You can't explain it, but these sort of things pop up in sports all the time. And guess what? Oregon basketball wasn't able to win at Colorado until... Tonight, as I record this on uh, Thursday night, and it will drop on Friday. Whenever you might be listening to this, I don't have a particular preference. I just like that you do, because I love knowing that Duck fans enjoy coming in here, engaging with Oregon athletics, and continuing to strengthen the ever-growing community of sports fandom. But this is a big game at Colorado for a couple reasons. Number one, getting revenge is huge for a locker room. After they blew a 15-point lead. I think they said it might have even been as high as 17 at one point in the first half. Oregon was blitzing Colorado at home in the middle of a winning streak, and then they blew the lead. They just they let up, and it was uncharacteristic for a Dana Altman coach team to allow Colorado to shoot close to 50% from the floor. They made a bunch of shots, and in this game, Colorado was out the, without their head coach, Tad Boyle. I don't think it was going to matter. The Oregon defense had them all out of sorts. And resume-wise, a road conference win certainly helps, especially when you're getting back at the team that beat you on your home court in what continues to look like a worse and worse loss as the Buffaloes are now under 500 in Pac-12 play this year. At this stage in the season, with where Oregon basketball is at, all wins are big. I mean, having a better record at the end of the year is just going to do nothing but help this team that you know could still just win the Pac-12 tournament and remove all doubt, but there is not a lot of margin for error. With seven losses already on the schedule, some of them pretty bad ones, you know, the, the loss at Stanford, that's a brutal one. The loss at home to Arizona State early in the season when they weren't playing very good basketball, and the loss uh, a couple weeks ago to Colorado, those sting and and those sting in the resume sense and the net ranking and all that sort of stuff. And and that's going to factor in if the ducks don't win the PAC 12 conference tournament and are able to just get the automatic bid into the big dance this year. Uh, The the women keep the good times rolling. They've been playing really, really well. And um, the, the discussion on the women's side for Oregon basketball at this point is how high a seed are they going to be able to get? And on, on Friday, they've got a big one, and I, I mean a huge game with Arizona. If they win that, they, they're going to be approaching the top 10, and that could be a, a really good sign for, for Kelly Graves and company. Uh, I'll get to the actual game with, with Colorado after I tell you that it's the new year. That means your New Year's resolutions are in play. If yours are about getting fit or eating healthy, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. 
Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution. It tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Plus, there's a bunch of flavors to choose from. My personal favorite is mint brownie, but there's salted caramel cookies and cream, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, everything that you could want in there. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so Oregon goes at Colorado. They, they've never won there, and it, it's a time where, as I said, they just didn't have a lot of margin for error, and this was a really encouraging performance because there was a pretty good crowd over there in, in Boulder, and Oregon handled it well. It was a one-point lead at, at the half for the Ducks, and then in the second half, Oregon's defense took over, and, and so did the guards. Jacob Young had a game-high 21. Will Richardson had 13 as well. And Richardson had this beautiful move where he pokes the ball free, and then a guy tries to take it from him at half court. He pirouettes around him, cradling the ball in his right hand, keeps the dribble alive, drives down the lane, fakes a left-hand pass into the corner, and lays it in with the offhand off window. It was just a thing of beauty. It, he made it look so effortless, and it was really, really a, a great thing. To, it was a beautiful thing to watch. But so was Oregon's defense in this second half. And, and this was a game where the big guys, uh, Nifali Dante and Frank Kepnong, who I've talked about a lot on this show, deservedly so for their growth and uh, commitment to the Ducks and their ability to contribute at both ends of the floor, neither one... I would say had had their best game. In fact, there were a lot of moments, you know, usually one of them is on the court at all times. There were a lot of moments in this game where Dana Altman wasn't playing either one because they just weren't quite in in the groove. You know, Dante had four points and three rebounds and he was just two of five from the floor, which is not great for him because most of his looks come right at right at the rim. Kepnong had four fouls, finished with two points and four rebounds and wasn't tremendously effective either, and neither one had a block in this game. Now, Quincy Garrier picked up the slack, you know, the X Factor I talked about on a recent show. He had a couple of blocks, and uh, Soares came in off the bench and blocked a shot as well to account for that a little bit. But Oregon didn't have that inside presence that that you often see with with these two big guys who have just been really, really solid and consistent throughout the year. But I think that's a good thing because – Good teams are able to win when not every single guy is having an A-plus game. If you're ever a fan of a team, and this goes for any sport, if you ever are looking at one or two guys and say, boy, if that guy or those two, if they're not hitting their shots in a big way, we're in trouble. That's an indication that your team is not particularly strong. But that's what I like about this Oregon team is the three guards they've got, Richardson, Young, and Harmon, I, I, I need about two of them to be on to feel good. Gary A to be capable, and that's usually enough because Dane Altman's teams make their money at the defensive end. And this was a, a vintage, I mean vintage Dane Altman game. It reminded me of the 2019 NCAA tournament. Uh, I was at uh, both of these games, actually. It was fantastic. 
And when when we upset Wisconsin as a 12 seed and then got 13 seed uh, UC Irvine in the next round, got to the Sweet 16, barely lost to Virginia. Those first two games were were the same script. You know, I, I was I was there watching and it was just a vintage Dana Altman performance where the game's kind of close at the half and then Oregon takes over at the defensive end to pull away late. And that's not typically how you would use that expression pulling away. You would normally think like, oh, well, you know, the offense must have been hitting a bunch of shots. Oregon's offense needs to hit enough shots. And the defense, the way they play, it wears teams down. I've noticed over the years, they just tend to miss a lot of open looks in the second half. And Wisconsin, UC Irvine certainly did that. And this was a game, Oregon forced 19 turnovers, I believe, and and just really locked down at that end of the court. Colorado had no offensive rhythm, and the, the guards were active. They're flying around. They're playing smart. They're aggressive, but they are... Uh, you know, smart about the way they are attacking. It, it's just something that is really encouraging to see them putting it together at that end of the court because it's always been, you know, really one of the hallmarks of, of Dane Altman coach teams. And and by the way, shout out to the Oregon fans that showed up to Boulder. They weren't disappointed. First ever win in that gym for Dane Altman. You could see the emotion on the guys' faces. They were they were excited, fired up, and and they should be right. They absolutely should be because. That is, you know, sort of a, a, a program just just wait to get off your back. Like, oh, we finally won here, you know? I mean, whether they want to hear it or not, these players know going in like, oh, we've never won here. And guys like Will Richardson, who have been there for a few years, know that, yeah, every time we go here, we've come away with a loss. But they were able to change that, and I think that's, you know, big for the confidence in the locker room going forward. And, you know, not, nothing but, but good things to feel about this game all around. There were just uh, a lot of really encouraging signs, and they got to keep it rolling. You know, seven losses on the year. They've got Utah on Saturday. That game's also on FS1. It's also on the road. That, that's got to be a win. Then you come back home for, for Stanford and Cal uh, and Washington State. Th- those have got to be, you know, if Oregon is going to really, really make a push to be uh, an at-large quality team, they, they can't have any stumbles on, on, this, on this upcoming stretch of games because then they've got uh, Arizona, UCLA, USC back to back to back, and you're not going to win all three of those games. If they do, uh, I'll just crown them the national championships uh, right now. And today with uh, a note about a an Oregon basketball pro right now. His name is Chris Duarte. You probably remember him. He uh, wasn't able to go to a Division One school initially. He was at a junior college, and he was just named to the Rising Stars Challenge for NBA All-Star Weekend for the Indiana Pacers. Awesome guy. Was a big part of a, a road win on, on TNT at the Warriors the other week. He is looking like a really, really good player, the 15th overall pick for the Pacers and their new head coach, Rick Carlisle. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.